You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. You have spoken uh, in your Old Testament through the prophets. You've spoken in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You've spoken through your word, the Bible. We ask, Lord, that you would now speak to us this morning by your Holy Spirit, that we might love you, that we might know you, and that we might walk in your ways. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, please keep your bulletin open to the Colossians reading so that you can follow along with me this morning and check that what I'm saying is trustworthy and true. Well, if you come into my office, uh, you might notice that on a crooked pinboard on the wall next to my desk, there's a quote by Alan Lakin, author of the book, How to Get Control of Your Time and Your Life. I haven't read it. I probably need to read that. But I found this quote in another business book that I was reading. And the quote is, planning is bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. I like this quote because it makes the future, which often seems to me like a foggy and mystical blur, it makes it more tangible and manageable. And this picture of the future can often bring anxiety, especially among people of my age and of the young adults that I pastor. A common question that I hear and that you you may have asked yourself is, what is God's will for my life? What does God have in store for me? Normally when people ask this question, it's when they're trying to discern which career path to take or whether the person they are currently dating is the person that they should marry. But beneath these questions, there's anxiety that somehow I might miss out on the abundant life that God has planned for me. That if I make the wrong decision, if I take the wrong job or choose the wrong person, I might be losing out on the abundant blessing that God has planned for my life. In today's passage, I want us to have this question in the back of our minds. And I want us to notice that God's, what is, sorry, I want us to notice what God's will is for the Colossians and for you and for me. And that it is that he wants us to be in relationship with him. This is what Paul is thankful to see happening among the Colossians. And it's what God is committed to make happen in your life. And not only does he want it, but he accomplishes it in Christ Jesus. Let's look at this passage more closely. This letter begins in verses 1 and 2 with a general greeting from which we learn that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter with his co-worker, Timothy, and they wrote it to the saints and faithful brothers in Colossae. Colossae is a city which is in modern-day Turkey. Now, these saints and faithful brothers are not an elite class of Christians. They are all those who, who just like you and me, have put their faith in Christ. In verse 3, after greeting them, Paul goes on to give thanks to God for these Colossians. Look at verses 3 through 5 again with me. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. What does Paul give thanks to God for these Colossians? First, he gives thanks to God because he had heard of their faith in Christ Jesus, that they had received the good news of Jesus Christ with power and with deep conviction, turning away from the world and turning to Christ, putting their faith in him. 
Second, he thanks God for the love that they have for all the saints. Again, these saints aren't those who've performed miracles or have been enshrined because of their heroic deeds. These are not people who are easy to love. These are just common Christians like you and me. The saints are those who have put their faith in Christ. And so Paul is thankful that the Colossians' faith is working itself out in love for all the brothers and sisters in Christ. Third, this faith and love comes from the hope that is laid up for them in heaven. What is this hope that is laid up for them? It's found in the word of truth, the gospel. It's the good news that the future is secured for them in Jesus Christ. It is the knowledge that death is not the end, but that one day death and evil will be soon swallowed up by life when Jesus returns. These three things, this faith, hope, and love, are the result of the gospel bearing fruit in their life. This gospel, the grace of truth, the grace of God in truth, it was brought to them through the ministry of Epaphras. Well, after thanking God for these Colossians, in verse 9, Paul goes on to explain what he has been praying for them and what he continues to pray for the Colossians. Look at verses 9 through 12 with me again. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul longs that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with wisdom and understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. They've come to know God through the gospel and now he prays that they would be filled with God's knowledge, with the knowledge of God's will. This is so that through the Holy Spirit they might be able to discern the difference between the truth of God from the truth of this world. Discerning between the good news of Jesus Christ and mere empty deceit. Discerning between the spirit of God and the elemental spirits of this world. But this knowledge is not so that they can be puffed up in the head. It's not so that they can have fancy titles like reverend or doctor. For those titles and that knowledge are nothing if they remain in that place. So Paul goes on to pray that this knowledge would lead to life transformation. That this knowledge, wisdom and understanding would enable them to walk not in the way of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but to walk in the way of the righteous living a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in everything that they do as they bear the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And this would be seen in and through their good works. And in turn, this would increase their knowledge of God. But this is no easy task for them or for you and me. It will not happen in their own strength. So Paul prays that they would be strengthened by the power of God so they might have endurance and patience with joy. And all of this culminates in thanksgiving. And what Paul has in mind here is not just a word of thanks at mealtime, but rather a life of worship, where our knowledge and our walk come together in worship of God, spilling out in praise and thanksgiving for God, thanking and praising Him because He has qualified the Colossians and you and me to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, which is everlasting life with Him. 
Finally, in this passage, Paul goes on to explain in the last two verses how we have been deemed worthy of sharing in this inheritance. God has qualified us by delivering us out of the the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, his beloved son. But even more than that, through Jesus we have been redeemed and our sins have been forgiven. Well, there's a lot in there and what does that mean for you and for me? What is... What is God's will for your life? What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Well, what we notice from Paul's thanksgiving to God and his prayers for the Colossians is that the number one thing that God desires for you is not a specific career path, it's not a particular place to live in, it's not to have a particular economic status or the right house or the right car, to be married or not to be married or to have your children in the right school. Now, God might tell you these things specifically and he might provide you with these needs i don't want to limit his power and ability the apostle paul in the book of acts talks about how god stopped him from preaching in a particular region but what we see throughout the bible is that god's will for your life is that you would be in relationship with him and in that relationship with him you would be conformed to the image of his son jesus christ our lord He doesn't just want this for you and have no power to make it happen, but he makes it happen for you in Christ Jesus. It has been done. You are made worthy. What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of God? Well, look at verse 12 and what God has done for these Colossians and what he's done for you and me. He is the one who has qualified us. But more than that, he has delivered us. He has transferred us. He has redeemed us. He has forgiven us. Everything that we might need to be considered worthy of God, He has given us. It has all been done. It is all secured in Christ. We already have been qualified to share in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We don't need to become worthy of God and strive to win His love. But God, who is rich in love and mercy, has so loved us that we might delight in Him that we would willingly give up our lives in worship of him, walking in a way that is worthy of our King and Saviour, looking to bear fruit in every good work. If you're anything like me, sometimes it feels like there is something missing in your relationship with God or in your salvation. But listen this morning that there is nothing missing. Everything has been done. Everything has been taken care of. You have every spiritual blessing and all the fullness that is to be found in Christ right now. You are welcomed, you are embraced, you have security. Your sins are forgiven, you have been redeemed, you are given a fresh start and a new home with a room that is prepared for you, that you look forward to now and where your hope is currently stored. All that you need, God has given you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will not also with him graciously give us all things? Praise be to God. Let us pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you are full of abundant and steadfast love, that you pour out your grace upon us, that you have redeemed us, you have forgiven us, you have transferred us, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son. We ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit you might enable us to walk 
in a manner that is worthy of you, bearing good fruit in every good work. This we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 